Chapter 20 of Boots and Saddles, or Life in Dakota with General Custer, by Elizabeth Custer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 20 The Summer of the Black Hills Expedition. I used to be thankful that ours was a mounted regiment on one account. If we had belonged to the infantry, the regiment would have been sent out much sooner. The horses were too valuable to have their lives endangered by encountering a blizzard, while it was believed that an enlisted man had enough pluck and endurance to bring him out of a storm in one way or another. Tardy as the spring was up there, the grass began at last to be suitable for grazing, and preparations for an expedition to the Black Hills were being carried on. I had found accidentally that my husband was fitting up an ambulance for traveling, and as he never rode in one himself, nor arranged to take one for his own comfort, I decided at once that he was planning to take me with him. Mary and I had lived in such close quarters that she counted on going also, and went to the general to petition. To keep her from knowing that he intended to take us, he argued that we could not get along with so little room, that there was only to be allowed half a wagon for the camp outfit of the headquarters mess. You done no better than that, general, she replied. Me and Miss Libby could keep house in a flour barrel. At the very last, news came through Indian scouts that the summer might be full of danger, and my heart was almost broken at finding that the general did not dare to take me with him. Whatever peril might be awaiting me on the expedition, nothing could be equal to the suffering of suspense at home. The black hour came again, and with it the terrible parting, which seemed a foreshadowing of the most intense anguish that our Heavenly Father can send to His children. When I resumed my life, and tried to portion off the day with occupations in order that the time should fly faster i found that the one silver thread running through the dark woof of the dragging hours was the hope of the letters we were promised scouts were to be sent back four times during the absence of the regiment the infantry came to garrison our post in the event of attack my husband left a gatling gun on the hills at the rear of the camp it is a small cannon which is discharged by turning a crank that scatters the shot in all directions and is especially serviceable at short range a detachment of soldiers was stationed on the bluff back of us that commanded the most extended view of the country the voice of the sentinel calling at regular intervals during the night all's well often closed our anxious eyes out there one slept lightly and any unusual noise was attributed to an attack on our pickets and caused us many a wakeful hour with what relief we looked up daily to the little group of tents when we finally realized that we were alone the officer who commanded this little station was an old bachelor who did not believe in marriage in the army not knowing this 
we told him with some enthusiasm how safe and thankful we felt in having him for our defender he quite checked our enthusiasm by replying briefly that in case of attack his duty was to protect government property the defense of women came last this was the first instance i had ever known of an officer who did not believe a woman was god's best gift to man we were not effectually suppressed for the only safe place in which we could walk was along the beat of the sentry on the brow of the hill near the tent of this zoological specimen here we resorted every evening at twilight to try and get cool for the sun burns fiercely during the short northern summer with the hot weather the mosquito war began fort lincoln was celebrated as the worst place in the united states for these pests the inundations recurring each spring opposite us brought later in the year myriads of the insects those i had known on the red river of the south were nothing in comparison if the wind was in a certain direction they tormented us all day long i can see now how we women looked taking our evening stroll a little procession of fluttering females with scarfs and overdresses drawn over our heads whisking handkerchiefs and beating the air with fans it required constant activity to keep off the swarms of those wretched little insects that annoyed us every moment during our airing in the evening we became almost desperate it seemed very hard after our long winter's imprisonment to miss a single hour out of doors during the short summer we had petitioned that in the rebuilding of our house the piazza around it should be made wide like those we enjoyed in the south on this delightful gallery we assembled every evening we were obliged to make special toilets for our protection and they were far from picturesque or becoming someone discovered that wrapping newspapers around our ankles and feet and drawing the stocking over would protect down to the slipper then after tucking our skirts closely around us we fixed ourselves in a chair not daring to move one night a strange officer came to see us and taking his place among the group of huddled up women he tried not to smile i discovered him taking in my tout ensemble however and realized myself what an incongruity i was on that lovely gallery and in the broad moonlight i had adopted a head net they were little tarlatan bags gathered at one end and just large enough to prevent their touching the face they looked like dolls crinolines and would make a seraph seem ugly in desperation i had added a waterproof cloak buckskin gauntlets and forgot to hide under my gown the tips of the general's riding boots tucked up like a mummy i was something at which no one could resist laughing the stranger beat off the mosquitoes until there lay on the floor before him a black semicircle of those he had slain he acknowledged later that all vanity regarding personal appearance 
would be apt to disappear before the attacks to which we were subjected we fought in succession five varieties of mosquitoes the last that came were the most vicious they were so small they slid easily through the ordinary bar and we had to put an inside layer of tarlatan on doors and windows we did not venture to light a lamp in the evening and at five o'clock the netting was let down over the beds and the doors and windows were closed when it came time to retire we removed our garments in another room and grew skillful in making sudden sallies into the sleeping room and quick plunges under the bar the cattle and horses suffered pitiably during the reign of the mosquitoes they used to push their way into the underbrush to try if a thicket would afford them protection if a fire were lighted for their relief they huddled together on the side toward which the wind blew the smoke as it was down by the river they were worse off than ever the cattle grew thin for there were days when it was impossible for them to graze we knew of their being driven mad and dying of exhaustion after a long season of torment the poor dogs dug deep holes in the side of the hills where they half smothered in their attempt to escape the missouri river at the point where we had to cross sometimes represented a lifetime of terror to me we were occasionally compelled to go to the town of bismarck four miles back on the other side i could not escape the journey for it was the termination of the railroad and officers and their families coming from the east were often detained there while waiting for the steamer to take them to their posts they were compelled to stay in the untidy uncomfortable little hotel if i sent for them they declined to come to us fearing they might make extra trouble if i went for them in the post ambulance i rarely made a fruitless errand even when elated with the prospect of a little outing at st paul i so dreaded that terrible river that we must cross going and coming it almost destroyed my pleasure for a time the current was so swift that it was almost impossible for the strongest swimmer to save himself if once he fell in the mud settled on him instantly clogging his movements and bore him under some of the soldiers had been drowned in attempting to cross in frail insecure skiffs to the drinking huts opposite as i looked into this roaring torrent whose current rushes on at the rate of six miles an hour i rarely failed to picture to myself the upturned faces of those lost men the river is very crooked and full of sandbars the channel changing every year the banks are so honeycombed by the force of the water that great portions are constantly caving in they used to fall with a loud thud into the river seeming to unsettle the very foundations of the earth in consequence it was hard work for the ferry-boat to make a landing and more difficult to keep tied up when once there the boat we were obliged to use was owned by some citizens 
who had contracted with the government to do the work at that point. In honor of its new duty, they renamed it the Union. The western word ramshackly described it. It was too large and unwieldy for the purpose, and it had been condemned as unsafe further down the river, where citizens value life more highly. The wheezing and groaning of the old machinery told plainly how great an effort it was to propel the boat at all. The road down to the plank was so steep, cut deep into the bank as it was, that even with the brakes on, the ambulance seemed to be turning a somersault over the four mules. They kicked and struggled, and opposed going on the boat at all. We struck suddenly at the foot of the incline, with a thump that drew us off the seat of the ambulance. The high eyes of the driver, the creak of the iron brake, and the expressive remarks of the boatman in malediction upon the mules made it all seem like a descent into Hades, and the sticks an enviable river in contrast. The ambulance was placed on deck where we could see the patched boiler, and through the chinks and seams of the furnace we watched the fire, expecting an explosion momentarily. After we were once out in the channel, the real trouble began. I never knew, when I started for Bismarck, whether we would not land at Yankton, five hundred miles below. The wheel often refused to revolve more than halfway. The boat would turn about, and we would shoot down the river at a mad rate. I used to receive elaborate nautical explanations from the confused old captain about why that happened. My intellect was slow to take in any other thought than the terrifying one, that he had lost control of the boat. I never felt tranquil, even when the difficulty was righted, until I set my foot on the shore, although the ground itself was insecure from being honeycombed by the current. The captain doubtless heard my paean of thanks when I turned my back on his old craft, for once afterward I received from him a crumpled, soiled letter, with curious spelling and cramped hand, in which he addressed me as highly honored lady, and in lofty-sounding terms proceeded to praise his boat, assuring me that, if I would deign to confer on him the honor of my presence, he would prove it a quite safe and as pert a steamer as sailed. With a great flourish, he added, for the Union must and shall be preserved, and signed himself my most humble admirer. We were told when the expedition started that we might expect our first letters in two weeks. The mail was delayed, unfortunately, and each day after the fortnight had expired seemed a month. In spite of all my efforts to be busy, there was little heart in any occupation. The women met together every day and read aloud in turn. Everyone set to work to make a present for the absent ones, with which to surprise them on their return. We played croquet. This was tame sport, however, for no one dared to vary the humdrum diversion by a brisk 
little quarrel which is the usual accompaniment of that game we feared to disagree even over trifles for if we did it might end in our losing our only companionship we knew that we could not expect in that climate that the freshness of summer would last for more than a short time after the sun had come to its supremest in the way of heat the drought was unbroken the dews were hardly perceptible that year even our brief enjoyment of the verdure was cut short a sirocco came up suddenly the sky became copper-colored and the air murky and stifling the slightest touch of metal or even the door handles almost blistered the fingers the strong wind that blew seemed to shrivel the skin as it touched us the grass was burned down into the roots and we had no more of it that season this wind lasted for two hours and we could not keep back apprehensions at the strange occurrence after that during the summer as we walked over the little space allowed us our shoes were cut by the crisp brown stubble and the sod was dry and unyielding under our feet as far as we could see the scorched earth sent up over its surface floating waves of heated atmosphere no green thing was left the only flowers that had not been scorched out of existence were the soap plants which have a sword-like stalk out of which grow the thick creamy petals of its flower the roots that extend for many feet in all directions near the surface of the soil enable it to secure moisture sufficient to keep it alive the only other flower was the bluebell which dotted a hill where we were accustomed to climb in order to command a better view of the country in our efforts to discover the scouts with the mail one can scarcely imagine how hungrily we gazed at those little blossoms they swung lightly on their cunningly fashioned stems that swayed and tossed the tiny azure cups but withstood the strongest wind i cannot see even a sketch of that flower now without thinking how grateful we were for them out there in that stripped and almost god-forgotten land when we threw ourselves on the turf among them the little bells almost seemed to us to ring out a tiny sound as if they were saying in flowery cadence the hand that made us is divine our eyes seemed to be perpetually strained watching the horizon for the longed-for scouts at dawn one morning which is at three o'clock in summer in dakota i was awakened by strange sounds at the door when i drew the curtain there were the re scouts and on their ponies the mail-bag marked by some facetious hand black hills express it took but a second to fling on a wrapper and fairly tumble down the steps the indians made the sign of long hair and called ouches which is the word denoting that in their language the general had borne this name with them for some time i was too impatient to wait for their tardy movements and tried to loosen the mail-bag the indian always pompous and important if he carries dispatches 
wafted me away i understood enough to be sure that no one would receive the mail but the officer in command as the scouts slowly moved down the line toward his quarters other impatient female figures with flying hair came dancing restlessly out on the porches every woman soon knew the news had come even the cooks scantily attired ran out to stand beside their mistresses and wave their fat arms to the indians to hurry them on our faithful soldier kivan whom my husband had left to care for us hearing the commotion came to ask what he could do i sent him to bring back the letters he in turn thinking only to serve me made an effort to open the mail-bag but the watchful indian suppressed him quickly the old fellow's face beamed with delight when he placed the great official envelope crowded with closely written pages in my hand how soon they were devoured though and what a blank there seemed in the day when we knew we had nothing more to expect three times after that we had letters they were most interesting with descriptions of the charm of travelling over ground no white feet had ever before touched my family could not avoid even at that distance studying up little plans to tease me after describing their discovery and entrance into a huge and almost hidden cave my husband said that colonel tom and he had come upon the bones of a white man doubtless the only one who had ever set foot in that portion of the world beside him lay a tin cup some buttons from his coat and a rusty ancient flintlock musket all were marked with his initials they were the same as those of one of the friends whom i had known when a little romping girl of seventeen this they said in the language of a dime novel explains the mysterious disappearance of your old love rather than meet such a fate as awaited him in marrying you old lady he has chosen to seek out solitude in a cavern and there die of course i thought what ingenuity they had employed to invent such a tale when they came back at the end of the summer and brought the musket and other mementos with the very initials rusting in the metal and declared on honor they had found the skeleton i was compelled to believe them not that the remains of the unfortunate man were those of my early friend who was soon afterward accounted for but that some unhappy man had actually wandered into that dismal place and died a tragic lonely death when the day of their return came i was simply wild with joy i hid behind the door as the command rode into garrison ashamed to be seen crying and laughing and dancing up and down with excitement i tried to remain there and receive the general screened from the eyes of outsiders it was impossible i was down the steps and beside my husband without being conscious of how i got there i was recalled to my senses and overwhelmed with confusion by a great cheer from the soldiers who i had forgotten were lookers-on 
regular soldiers rarely cheer and the unusual sound together with the embarrassment into which i had unconsciously plunged myself made the few steps back to the house seem a mile when we could take time to look everyone over they were all amusing some wives did not know their husbands and looked indignant enough when caught in an embrace by an apparent stranger many like the general had grown heavy beards all were sunburned their hair faded and their clothes so patched that the original blue of the uniform was scarcely visible of course there had been nothing on the expedition save pieces of white canvas with which to reinforce the riding breeches put new elbows on sleeves and replace the worn knees the boots were out at the toes and the clothing of some was so beyond repair that the officers wanted to escape observation by slipping with their tattered rags into the kitchen door the instruments of the band were jammed and tarnished but they still produced enough music for us to recognize the old tune of gary owen to which the regiment always returned by and by the long wagon train appeared many of the covers had elk horns strapped to them and they looked like strange bristling animals as they drew near some of the antlers were brought to us as presents besides them we had skins specimens of gold and mica and petrified shells of iridescent colors snake rattles pressed flowers and petrified wood my husband brought me a keg of the most delicious water from a mountain stream it was almost my only look at clear water for years as most of the streams west of the missouri are muddy as soon as the column appeared in sight the old soldier who had served me with such fidelity all summer went to mary to tell her the news he also said that as long as the general had put mrs custer in his charge he knew how to behave now being no longer on honor he added i intend to celebrate their return by going on a tremendous bum how any one could get drunk in so short a time was a mystery the general had hardly removed his buckskin coat before the old fellow stumbled up the steps and nearly fell in the door with his arms full of puppies that had arrived during the summer the rejoicing was too general for misdemeanors to be noticed the man was thanked for his watchful care over me during the months past and advised to find a place to go to sleep as soon as possible end of chapter twenty